Dear leaders, the Leaders Lounge brought to you by the World Class Training Institute is here for you. Leaders need support too, and this is where you'll find it. This podcast will give you the tools, tips, and strategies to help you lead your teams to success. Also, here you will find a soft place to land when your leadership journey feels overwhelming. We will help you to know that you are not alone in handling some of the challenges that you face. Finally, be sure to access worldclasstraining.net. That's worldclasstraining.net to view all of our leadership programs and make sure that you access our newest book, Unpacking Agape, the Seven Languages of Intentional Leadership at worldclasstraining.net forward slash agape. Now, here's the show. This is Dawn Morris, and of course, I am your host and the curator for the Leaders Lounge. We have an exciting month for you all. We are focusing in on leading ladies. So over the next several weeks, we are going to highlight some ladies who are doing great things in their respective fields and in the cities in which they live. Um, This program today is super special because I have a young lady who is an instructor in medicine within the Vanderbilt University School of Medicine at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Um, Her name is Cutina Watson, Dr. Cutina Watson, and she received her bachelor's degree from Lane College in Jackson, Tennessee, and then she furthered her education by getting a master's and Doctorate of Education at Capella University. In terms of her work career, Dr. Watson was previously the Interim Assistant Vice President for Strategic Retention and Student Success at Wiley College. That is a huge title in Marshall, Texas. And in her role as Interim Assistant Vice President, she provided leadership, and oversight for efforts in retention, college access, and academic success. Her collaboration with senior leadership peers and faculty allowed for a strategic plan focused on closing achievement gaps within the institution. Notably, Dr. Watson was a lead member for the institution's retention and accreditation efforts to conduct training and insight with the overall mission of the college at the forefront. In addition to all of her credentials, I met Dr. Watson at a recent HBCU college fair and her spirit and her demeanor were just so remarkable to me. She just had a warm, kind spirit. And um, sometimes you don't find that with people who have a high uh, level of academia, uh, so to speak. And so because of that, when we were thinking about doing this series, Um, I wanted to bring her on because she shared some things with me. And again, her attitude and her demeanor was just one that I think we should all mirror. So today I have joining me, uh, Dr. Cutina Watson. How are you? I'm great, Don. How are you? I am wonderful. It's so great to have you. I am so glad you were able to take time. Of course, for you, anything. Oh, you are so sweet. You are so sweet. So Dr. Watson, I was just sharing with our audience a little bit about your educational background, and we're going to talk a little bit about about that. And of course, this particular series is about striving through stress because you shared with me some things that happened in your career 
uh, that you had to work through and how that led you to the position that you have right now at Vanderbilt University. So I'm going to start by going back a little bit and talking about kind of your college career, um, you first being at Lane College and then going uh, to get your doctorate. So I'm going to ask you a question. I don't think I asked you the last time. First, what made you want to pursue a doctorate in education? It's a really good question, um, Don. So one, I was working um, in early childhood education. So I've been on the spectrum of education for over a decade. The only thing I haven't done is the middle, which is K through 12. Um, but when I was in the early childhood education spectrum, there were individuals in that organization who said that I didn't have enough experience in education. I was not well-versed, even though I had over six years of experience in really? that position. Um, and so for me, I'm always the type that says, you know what, I'm going to show you better than I can tell you. So I decided to get a doctorate of education. How higher could you go um, when you're talking about you don't have experience in education by getting a doctorate of education, right? Um, exactly. That's how I started. But my students at Wiley College are the reason why I decided to finish and keep it going because I wanted them to see someone that looked like them with this type of education that had, you know, that could reach them on the same level um, and know that I could make a difference in the world and I could sit in rooms that I could create the table for them to come and then them to feel more empowered to create their own table and bring their own people along. So, yeah, it started one way, but it finished some totally different. For Isn't sure. that interesting? I love that. So it was first kind of a career move to make sure that they knew you had the credentials, but then it became something where you used it to add fuel to the people who were under you and kind of lift as you climbed um, so that they knew, hey, you know what? You can do this too. And this is what this affords you by being able to complete your education. And you know, Don, honestly, I'm happy that it worked out that way because I really was getting the doctorate for the wrong reasons. I heard mm -hmm. you when you introduced me, so I appreciate the words that you said, um, where you stated that most people who have high, you know, a terminal degree don't right. always act as if, you know, they're just one of the girls. And I feel like if I would have continued on the path of trying to prove somebody wrong because they felt I wasn't good enough for the position that I had, I think my mindset would have stayed in that, even though people that know me know that's not how I am, but I would have been, as the young folks say, clout chasing, because mm -hmm. I wanted to prove that I was way more than what they saw of me. Um, and I wouldn't have been true to being Dr. Watson. Even now, you know, family and friends try to call me that. I'm like, no, I'm just Tina. Right. Um, or colleagues, I'm just cute Tina. You know, there are moments right. I didn't be considered Dr. Watson, but I realized with my students, like I, you don't have to put that title out there for people to know that you're really worth more than what that title even states. So, oh, you just said a whole mouthful there. That is, <laughs> you did. Um, you said a mouthful in a couple of ways. Number one, I've been that person too, especially in that corporate realm where I'm trying to run after this and run after that, and I'll never forget my last corporate job. Girl, I had worked and worked and worked and worked and they had a position that was at the next level. I just knew because I had gotten a, uh, what was it, consistently exceeds on my review that I was going to be that person and 
they went and pulled somebody from the outside who, you know, oh, by the way, didn't look like me. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it was like, yep. and I'm feeling like I'm running and running and running and running this hamster wheel trying to prove to them. But we have to always know. And I had to sit in my own truth. I was like, no, nah, I'm good whether they say I'm good or right. not. And yep. that's what you're saying. You're like, you had to realize whether they put the endorsement stamp on you or not, the creator already made you enough, Amen. you know? Amen. So Amen. anything you add to it is just a bonus because you walk in the door being enough. So, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, and you have to have that mindset when you're right. in a leadership role that, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you have to definitely take yourself out of it and remember the reason why you're doing what you're doing. Yes. It makes it so much worth it. But, right. you know, I think that journey just kept me very much grounded. I'm always humble in most situations, but I think for that moment, if I would have stayed at that company, you and I wouldn't be talking right now because right. I probably would have been on a totally different track at that point. Right. Exactly. Yep. That's true. That's true. So thank them for pushing you. But you know what? Yeah. You you are already enough. You came in the door enough. <laughs> yes. Yes. So then moving past that, you worked at um you worked at Wiley College, right? Yep. Did I have that right? Yeah, Wiley College, and you became um with assistant assistant vice president interim assistant vice president for strategic retention and student success and so i know you shared with me a little bit about how you came into that role from another position and um and they said hey you know what you're up next and so i want you to first talk to me about what that looked like when you were promoted into the role of a interim assistant vice president and then um like kind of what were your first thoughts being thrust into that position so when i got to wiley um after i left that early childhood education arena i started out as a learning center coordinator don i had no idea how to run a tutoring center um, but thankfully for my group of friends that were at Wiley with me, we call them Wiley 2.0, um, I was able to really kind of join together with other like-minded individuals to be able to really tap into my potential um, that was there. And within 10 months, um, another super, one of my other supervisors saw something in me and she wanted me to run the center, the full okay. center. Okay. So then I started to be over the tutoring center and the advising center. Um, had a team of about five or six individuals. It was going great. Then the pandemic hit, right? Okay. So then we had to downsize. And from there, I was only able to really, it was between me and a director. Um, we worked together and then the director left uh, or assistant director left. So then it was just me as a director. Um, and so I was in school trying to finish my dissertation that was totally crazy okay. um, and then i finished right i finished i defended june um of 2021 so it's coming up on my two-year anniversary nice congratulations and, wow yeah, that's yeah, fantastic. Feel like it, right? <laughs> and so i remember being in my office and the president of wiley came into my office and said hey you're about to be promoted and walked out I was like, what? And so I walked out of my office into the bigger space and there are about 30 to 40 of my colleagues that had been taking a tour with the president of the college just to see like the updates, um, new changes that were gonna be made on campus. 
And as he's talking, he was like, yeah, and, and Dr. Watson has been promoted to interim assistant vice president. And I was standing in my doorway shocked, like, wait, what? You just said it. Like, I didn't even have a chance to say, sure, I'll take it. No, I won't take it. Right. Um, and one of my uh, team members, I have been trying to get promoted for him as an assistant director. Um and in that moment, he announced him as the assistant director. So it felt good that, you know, my efforts kind he of was, worked out. Right, him. okay, yep. But I was like, I didn't ask, I didn't ask for this. I didn't want right. to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh. Before okay. you even say it, too, so was there another assistant vice president who had left, or there no. wasn't even that job before? Nope. Okay. So what happened is uh, the president wanted to change the culture of the college of the campus and he had about I think maybe at the time five positions that he was going to start filling okay um and apparently I didn't go in for an interview for this position let's be very clear um I finished my degree and I don't know if they felt like I was a great asset to the team and they just wanted to keep me because I had always been told if you're not promoted once you get um your degree, then you should start looking elsewhere um, because companies will start to think that you're not marketable, you're not promotable, okay. you're right. not a good asset for the team if you're not promoted when you get a terminal degree. Um, and so it just kind of worked out in that way. And my supervisor, who is still my mentor to this day, um, he really kind of helped to launch me in that direction. But to be honest, that's not what I really wanted to do. Because I had never done that before. Okay, wow. So you didn't even really know what the job entailed before you got the position. You just, but see, what I love about that is that I tell people, and I was I was sharing with someone just recently, um, how when people think I can't do that job because I don't have experience in that job. I told the person, I wish I could remember who I was sharing that with. I said, President Trump became president of the United States and had no uh, no political experience. So never think that because you've never done it, you can't do it. There may be a learning curve. And I'd say he was the best in the world, but it's it's that mindset that I can do this, you know, mm -hmm. and a sometimes back to us not even knowing that we are enough. They saw in you that you could be the assistant vice president. You may have thought, and you can share with me, you know, eventually you would be that person, but you weren't thinking that was going to be your lot today, but you, they said she's the one. <laughs> so it's funny you say that, Don, because I read an article somewhere where it said that women are more likely to not apply for a job based yes. on the qualifications because we'll say, oh, we don't have a hundred percent of the yes. qualifications, so we will not apply. Yep. And men, they don't care if they only have 40%. They that will go so after it because they say to themselves, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just a job application. You That's know, right. I get it or I won't get it. But exactly. for me, I can do this job regardless if I have all the qualifications or not. I'm still right. So I think as women, we have to start having that confidence in ourselves to say, even if we only have 60 70 percent of the qualifications that's right you can learn the other 30 right that's right exactly and even if you look at the things you've done in life 
that other 30% could be stashed away somewhere that you didn't even know, like you have the skill. It's just not written in a way in which you can say, yes, I've done these other things that make up the 30%. So That's so true. That's so true. We have to really, it's transferable skills is what they call the kind of a, a textbook term for that. Yes, you may not have the actual line item verbiage that the job is requiring, but if you tap into something that you've often done in your history, you have the transferable skill to do that work. Or you may still have the critical thought processes that can walk you through that. So yes, you're right. As ladies, we do have to stop cheating ourselves out of opportunities because we, according to a um, job requirement, haven't dotted every I and crossed every T. Yep. And then this attitude too. A lot of times, like I tell people when I teach interview and I say, what, what we're looking for when we do, when we actually sit down and have a job interview is what is this person's personality like? What is their ability to work with the team like? And yes, you have to prove up what's on your resume, uh, but it's largely the success of a job. And I, I heard, uh, uh, I think it's Warren Bennis who said, talks about EQ. And while IQ can get you in the door, emotional intelligence, your emotional quotient is what keeps you there. So we yeah. have to, the more you can demonstrate your ability to work well with others and to have emotional intelligence and adaptive intelligence, the more likely a, an employer will be like, okay, you know what? This person may not have excel word powerpoint uh, you know every public speaking skill that we have on the list but there are some other um intrinsic skills that this person has that we can we can use definitely they won't get on our nerves <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes um so look before we go forward i do i have to show this commercial right quick so just stay right there um and on the other side of this we're going to talk about some of the stress that you went through because we're talking about striving through stress and um, how you were able to overcome that. So guys, this is Juneteenth. This is the month of freedom. Um, we are focusing on ladies during this month, leading ladies. Uh, and to do that, we also are selling uh, t-shirts, which I want to show you freedom tees. So I got to show this commercial right quick. And on the other side, we're going to talk to Katina, Dr. Watson, a little more about how she strives <laughs> through stress. Just <laughs> Hold on just a minute.
and we are back. So um, this is the first year actually that we, we usually do a summer t-shirt, but this is the first year we're doing June t-shirt. So um, as a woman owned African-American business, we thought it would be prudent to do that this, this year. So um, that's our little commercial for that. Um, audience, avail yourselves. These are only going to be on sale until June the 9th because in order to get them out, um, we have to finish our orders then. So we are back with our Dr. Katina oh. J. Watson <laughs> of the uh, an instructor in medicine within Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about your current role. But before we do that, I want to get back to the audience about now you have the role, you're launched, you're in there. And you and I had a conversation about some of the the challenges and the stressful times that you had and um, and how you were able to manage that or when you said, because I remember you said, you know what, you got to a point where you said uh, enough. And so kind of take us through what that was like, why you had some challenges and, and what, what made you say, you know what, it's time to do something different. So, yeah, so I got in the role basically June, July of 21. Uh-oh, no. And it was crazy, right? So the title says strategic retention and student success. If you chop that in half, I had the student success part. I had the team for that. Um, I had a director. I had an assistant director. There was a team of advisors. We were ready to rock and roll on the student success side. We mm -hmm. had been doing it, so we knew what to do. Um, but the strategic retention, there was no team. There was a committee and the committee was comprised of individuals on the campus. But keep in mind, they already had their nine to five job, right? Okay. A committee, you are just coming in as a committee member and you're doing a little bit of work, but you're not supposed to really put the whole thing on your back. Right. That's for, you know, the chair of that committee or who's whoever is under that division that's really supposed to lead the effort. So I, okay. I did the best that I could do, right? Um, I think within about a month, I did well over a month to two months, I did well over a, a thousand plus minutes of talking to the stakeholders at the college. So that would be students, wow. faculty, staff, administration, just trying to get buy-in on what they thought was needed in order to move retention forward because okay. strategic retention means hey you have to figure out how to keep everybody on this campus right, right. So now we're talking a traditional student somewhere that's between 18 to 22 that lives on campus we're talking about an incarcerated student at the time we had something called second chance pale that gave inmates an opportunity to get a degree we had um online students so it means they could be anywhere in the world we had wow. adult completion learners, so that meant they lived in another city state and went to a satellite campus to get um, instruction. Mm -hmm. So I have to figure out, you know, I'm I'm good at helping a freshman or a sophomore because they're still impressionable. And so I can right. help kind of shape and mold. But we're talking about everybody. Everybody. With wow. no team. That's wow. a lot of pressure that was on my shoulders that I felt, right? Because they tell you recruitment is everybody's business. Right. They also mm -hmm. say retention is everybody's business. Mm -hmm. But what you find is that because people don't have the answer to what it takes to retain students, they back off. Okay. So that's not my job. 
Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, because you know, that's kind of a sales role in some ways, right? You have to, you really have to think outside the box. Here's yes. what people don't realize in higher ed, I don't care if it's an HBCU, I don't care if it's a PWI. In this day and age that we live in, technology, social media, you've got uh, trendsetters, you've got influencers. College is not the thing that people are doing now. That's so to right. figure out how to retain a student right for your institution if you add on it's a small city there are not a lot of blacks that were in that city we're in east texas there's nothing there was no band at the time there's no football team there's nothing that's drawing these students where well, you've got the Howards. I know right. you're the alum of Howard. You've got right. the Gamblins and the Southerns. Right. And you've got Florida A&M. You know, you have all of these other institutions that are pulling people because you got a band. You right. know, you've got... Yeah. You have a name. You have... You have everything, right? Right, yes. So yeah. trying to sell a student on, yes. hey... You know, I can get you what you need if you just put a little bit of trust in me. That's that's easy to do. But as the time goes on and they're watching and they're looking at other things, they're like, we don't have that. We don't right. have that. I'm not right. saying. Right? right. So it got difficult to the point where I was tired. I would go to work. I didn't want to get up and go to work. I would figure out, you know, oh, God, I got to get up again today. And I would get up. But what kept me motivated were my students, right? I, they didn't know it at the time, but to be very transparent um, for your podcast, I was depressed. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some moments I may have had a suicidal thought or two, right? Thank God I didn't go through with it, but I was just really in a bad place, right? One thing people don't understand about burnout is something that we teach in one of the courses that I do at Vanderbilt Mm -hmm. is there's a spectrum. If you're on one end of the spectrum, you're healthy and well, you're functioning properly, your relationships look good. If you're on the other end, you're at impairment. But right before impairment, you can have like unstable, poorly functioning relationships. Your productivity Mm -hmm. is horrible. You're at burnout. And most people don't know they're at burnout because they're so used to survival mode they're just and they're going they're going going. until you stop and come out of it you can see what it has done to you Mm. you and in some cases probably your relationships too because when people come home and they're mean or they're not talking to their family members or their loved ones or significant others yep What's at the heart of that probably is that stage that you're talking about where they're at the burnout and they don't have either enough self-awareness or either they're aware but think they can't stop. So they just keep going, just keep going and and at a detriment to themselves and probably their relationships in some ways. Yeah, like I, you you say something because that's important, right? So I was going to continue to go because I knew I was single. I didn't have any kids. So I don't have another income coming in that can say, hey, babe, you can take off. You can take some time for yourself. That's okay. So I was just going to continue to go until one day I went back home to Arkansas and I was um, at my brother's house, one of my brothers, and I was telling him what I had gone through. He and I are really close, but Mm -hmm. I never tell him like the depression that I go through. 
Okay. Something that day was like, hey, just spill the beans. And he said, mama, daddy, everybody will understand. Come home. And I was like, nah. He was like, I promise you. And I was like, well, I'm not going to say anything. But something told me to tell my mama that same weekend. And my mother said to me, you're coming home. And I was wow. like, she was like, yeah, I would rather see my daughter living, thriving, getting better than in a pine box. And if Ooh. what you're saying to me is true, that means that you kind of exhausted everything and you're yes. at I need you to come home. And so we agreed on a date. She wanted me to come home in May. I said, mom, I can't do that. Let's do June 30th. Um, and I went back to, I went back home or oh, back to Marshall and I told my boss, my supervisor, my mentor, Hey, this is it. I'm done. And literally done. I felt two things. I felt a weight lift out for me, but I felt heaviness at the same time because mm -hmm. I knew I had to tell my students mm -hmm. that I would not be here when they came back for the fall. And I felt like there was no one on that campus that could take care of my babies the way that oh. I could take care of them. Oh. Every day after I told my boss, I cried. Oh, are you, are you telling me that? I know. Oh, my goodness. And my students cried. Some of them were like, well, if you're not going to be here, I'm not staying. Had to give them pep talks. Like, we really went through it. because. Wow. They were there for me when I needed them and they didn't know it, but right. I was also there for them when they needed it the most. Right. And we just didn't know how to, I guess you could say function without the other. How to function without each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, What you said in there, you said so much, but that last piece about how you cried every day for your students, that also speaks to character and how that job was not about a paycheck for you that position and, and what you said maybe moments ago you said you didn't even want the job you know you you liked being at wiley I'm, I'm assuming yeah but you were like you didn't even want the job but but what the job gave you was so much more than a paycheck because you cried because you were leaving your students that yeah. is amazing I, you know, and it's funny because, um, yeah, I, it, it, it was so funny because once I got promoted, students uh -huh. would come by my office all the time. I have an open door policy. I never close it unless a student needs to talk privately. Okay. But I was always in meetings, Don. I would do maybe 15 meetings a week. All day. And every time they stopped by, you in another meeting again? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I mean, I have I gotta work, right? Um, <laughs> yes, it was it was it was tough for sure. That is amazing. So, um, so you got to a place where it's almost June one. You're about to leave, and did they have somebody to replace you? So, I was a part of the the interviewing process for the next person. Okay. But what I was also trying to do was to help my team that I still had on the student success side, be successful, right? Okay, gotcha. I wanted to, one, make sure that one of the advisors was able to be promoted to an assistant director. So that okay. happened. Okay. Um, 
And then I wanted to ensure that I empowered all of them to kind of make the moves that were necessary. Uh -huh. So they, when I left, no, that person was not necessarily in place. Okay. But the interviewing process had happened. And I think maybe a little bit after I left, then that individual got hired. Okay. But it was almost, it was almost, it was summer anyway, you know, yeah. so they had a yeah. little time. So you left, did you immediately feel the weight lifted off of you? Child, let me tell you what. Yes, okay. I did. It's nothing like waking up that next day, like packing up all your stuff. You don't know what's about to happen to you and you pack up and you go to bed in a different bed. One you're familiar with, because I have stayed at my brother's house plenty of times, but okay. you're not at home. Right. You're at home. Right. You wake up and you say, well, what do I do today? Right? I don't have to punch into a clock just yet. I can literally take my time. Yes. Um, and I was without a job down for seven months. Wow. I have to give credit, of course, to God, to my yep. parents, my siblings, my partners, um, you know, my friends, like I literally have to give thanks to all of these individuals because if not, I, I wouldn't be sitting in Nashville. I wouldn't be talking to you. Um, I might not be alive to even tell the story wow. because you just, after a while, you start to wonder, did I make the right choice? Choosing myself over my students, was that really the right thing to do? I'm a very selfless person. Okay. I will give you everything I got mm -hmm. and then figure out how to make something for myself. Mm -hmm. But to choose me over everything else was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I didn't know how to do that and be okay with that decision because the guilt set in, right? Right, okay. Uh, no one shamed me. But the guilt of knowing, like, I can't believe I just did that. And I let all of these people down. And I just, I felt it. It was there. I felt it. So Because I have, that's back. I'm sorry. What were you going to say at the end? I didn't have a job for seven months. But that, what you said, is back to, again, the weight that women unnecessarily carry. Yep. We are so busy trying to pour out, pour out, pour out, pour out, pour out. And we don't know, as Lisa Nichols, one of my favorite motivational uh, speakers says, we have to love from an empty, from actually our overflow. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we're loving from an empty cup, but yep. we need to fill ourselves to overflow so that we can love from our saucers. And even in the love of taking care of people in the workplace, which of course, in my book, I call agape love, which is that servant leadership. In mm -hmm. order for you to serve well, you have to be full. Yeah. And so even if that means stepping away and we think the world is going to, girl, oh, you said so much. We think the world's like, oh, how am I going to leave them all? And even as parents, I mean, I used to go through that, you know, with my son. Can I leave him? Is he going to be okay? I remember when he was little and uh, I was still married to my ex at the time. And his cousin, his first cousin, wanted to watch my baby who was only like two, three months old. So we could go out to a, a, this uh, like riverboat casino or something. And child, she was like, I just got my degree in education. I'm going to be at. I was like. But in retrospect, now what I really know about 
love and the marriage relationship is supposed to be God, him, and then the rest. Because my son would have been okay. His, you know, his family and all of that. But the mother, the woman in me who feels like, oh, if I leave him and he's going to cry because I'm not there, it's a guilt. It's a guilt that I put on myself that probably never would have shown up. Just like for you, your students, as much as they loved you, I'm sure they understood and don't love you any less because you made the decision that you needed to make by choosing you. Well, I had, I'll tell you this, Don. They, they at first they didn't. They okay. Didn't. They didn't. Okay. But I had to say it very harshly in the sense of saying to them, Would you rather come to my funeral or Ooh. my wedding? Oh. And they said, your wedding. I said, so you're going to have to let me go. Oh. I'm still going to be here for you. My phone will always work. I'm available by FaceTime, text message, phone call, email, whatever you need, even driving to you. I was like, but if you don't let me do this, you're going to come to my funeral. And I think at that moment it clicked. Like, wait a minute. She's serious. She she gives us tough love, but she's never been this upfront. Yes. I think it hit it for them because they know me. They know right. I give them whatever I got and I would right. do for them before I do for me. So right. for me to do for me before them was the ultimate sacrifice that I had to make to say, if I want to see them graduate, if I want to see them get married, have babies, be successful, be the next president or whatever, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. I have to do me first yes, in right. order to still be here for them. So that's right. They, did, they didn't get it at first, I'm telling you. They right. didn't get yes. it. Someone stopped talking to me um, right. because they were really hurt and we yes. just had to go through it together. Well, and that's good to know that they, and even if they didn't, you still didn't make the right cho choice by choosing you, you know, um, explaining to them was fantastic that you let them know. And I love the way you said that, because given those two polar opposites, there is no choice. Yeah, there is no choice. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Except okay. this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to give you an easy one. Like, hey, do you want to come to that? No, let me give right. you the two extremes. This right. Happiness right. or sadness. That's right. One of them, you're going to get to come and have an amazing time. Right. And we can continue to make memories. The right. other one, you're just going to be remembering the memories. Yep. That's it. It's fine. Yep. Um, it will be a memory. Again. Yeah. That's I right. Will be That's the right. Memory. So exactly. That's it so was true. helpful. It was helpful yes. for me. <laughs> right. I may even have to share this with, I have a, another a client who she's, she works in Tennessee at one of these, you know, Mm -hmm. places and she's stressing and we talked just on what was it Wednesday yesterday and so I was like they're on break but they're about to go back to their session and so she said I said when do they start back she said we start back in August which I'm kind of mm -hmm. giving away what she does but still it doesn't, it's no big deal but the look on her face mm -hmm. I could see it and she said her doctor has even told her you need to leave that job and I told her, you probably need to follow that advice because this is the thing. You're putting that job before your health. You're putting that job. It's causing you to eat crazy at night because you're like, she said, stress, com comfort mm -hmm. food is her, you know, stress reliever. I said, you're killing yourself. Yeah. And guess what? To your point, if her funeral comes up, they will, they may 
fly flag and half staff for a day Maybe. or two, right? Maybe. They <laughs> might send a plant to your family. They might. You can die on a Monday. By Friday, they got your job posted. That part. It's, it's not, you know, I think we've been conditioned. And when I say we, I just mean people. Yes. I can even... I can even trail it down a little bit further to say black people. Yeah. I've been conditioned to think we've got to stay at a job as long as our parents have stayed at right. a job. My parents have stayed at jobs 40 plus years, mm-hmm. enduring whatever they endured. They didn't tell mm-hmm. us because we were kids, right? Right, right. And now I've always said my parents' generation, their mental health isn't what it could have been. That's right. Because they let a lot of things happen and they right. didn't know how to process that part. Yeah. So That's then true. it kind of trickles to us. And right. now we're in a stage of do I choose mental health over needing to have a job? I want to exactly. eat tomorrow, right? Right. So we have to figure out which one is more important. But like I said, thankfully, my support system, Carrie. some people don't have that. I no, know I was blessed. That's true. Right. I know exactly. I was blessed because. Right. I, who says, hey, for X amount of months, come and live with me? You don't have to pay a thing, right? My friends were there to encourage me. My partner was there to lift me and motivate me and say right. what needed to be said. My parents were there to just be encouraged. Like, I literally had the support system I needed to get me here. Because if right. I didn't have them, mm-mm. You wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have, yeah, and your support system even helped you to know it was time to do something different. So, yeah, I'm going to move us forward in a moment, but I I can't leave that point you said, because sometimes, um, yeah, the support system can help us. But I'm going to say this, though, uh, Dr. Watson, sometimes we think we have to have everything in place to lead. Yes, you had that support system, but I love what Oprah Winfrey has said, and it stays with me. What we have to know is what our next right move is. And sometimes the next right move may not have the whole stairwell in place. It may be, hey, I know how I'm going to make it through this month and the next month. But what we always have to understand is there's a higher power at play that is going to help us through. So if our stress levels are at the place where we can't, and I'm not saying to folks, please don't think I'm saying go to your job tomorrow. If you're stressed out, I'm not saying that I'm saying you can start putting little plans into place so that you can position yourself to be able to do that. And even if you have to stay, some of the interim steps you can take are um, either adjusting your work schedule and you don't have to make big announcements to do that, but making sure that throughout the day you're taking those breathing moments or stepping away from the job, going for walks, things like that to save yourself while you're working your way out. But, you know, understand that if you don't have a whole family and all of that to say, hey, I can rely on them. A lot of times, again, if we think about our transferable options, there are other ways that we can find our set, our ways out of our way out of um, high stress situations or jobs that are just going absolutely um, nowhere. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so last thing I want to talk about right quick. So you're at it. You're at now Vanderbilt University. Welcome to Nashville. Because uh, <laughs> you. you are not a Nashvillean. You're from Arkansas, correct? 
Correct. By the way, right. Louisiana. So I'm a split in between Arkansas and Louisiana. So I'm still a Southern girl, though. Okay, <laughs> Southern girl. But <laughs> and you've been in Nashville, what, since February, is it? February. Since well, February. January. I moved in January. I started at Vanderbilt in February. Okay, great. Okay, yes. So um, just tell us quickly, how's it going? How's the new job? And and how are you loving Nashville? Um, so let's start with what you said first, the job. The job has been great for me. I'm still in the learning process, um, being able to work with three other amazing women on the team and then having the team of other facilitators, yes. um, supporters, researchers that are within our department have been amazing um, to work with. I miss my students, don't get me wrong, but being able to still do a love of learning, being able to work with physicians and help them see how they can better themselves, that it's a ripple effect and it takes one person and it'll trickle down to the next, um, is, is very rewarding, is very beneficial. I love Nashville. Um, coming from a small little city like Marshall that did only have one Walmart, two main restaurants. Wow. We didn't have anything. Right. Wow. We didn't have anything. Um, but just being able to see the different cultures in this city, being yes. able to just go out if I want to um, meet new people, just yes. try different things has been really amazing. Right. If I was in Marshall, I would have never been able to do something like HBCU panel. Um, right. So being able to do things like that, meet individuals, amazing mm -hmm. people like you um, mm -hmm. is great. It has afforded me some really good opportunities thus far. So I'm very excited to be in Nashville. Good, good. That's ex excellent. So you said you miss your students. So as an instructor in medicine, you don't see students? So it's, it's a little different. I work okay. on the medical center side. Okay. Also still has the school of medicine housed within that because it's the medical school, right? They're still going through um, medical school. So right. I don't necessarily teach students at Vanderbilt. I teach physicians, um, professional development. And so it's a little <gasps> different. It's a little different, right? Because when okay. you hear instructor in medicine, you think all oh, students. But I deal with uh, physicians and professional <gasps> development. But God is still good because I still teach a course at Wiley. Okay. Oh, <laughs> nice. So I still, I'm an online um, instructor at Wiley. I'm an adjunct professor there. And so I still have the opportunity to still engage with students doing a little bit of um, creating a different type of curriculum for the right. course to do something totally different for the students that are coming in the fall. So, yeah. Okay, that is outstanding. So I got to hit this one before I leave. I thought we were going to be able to wrap up, Lord, this almost an hour, but um, it, this is such good conversation. Last thing. So you hit, you said professional development, which is, of course, our area here. What professional development do you facilitate? So we look at distressed physicians. Okay. Um, we talk about, you know, you mentioned EQ, so emotional intelligence, positive right. intelligence. We use something um, called um, just different techniques to kind of help them when they're flooding. Um, to kind of help them get to a more calm state to figure out how to deposit more positive um, energy into those that they work with and kind of figure out how to get the things that they need in order not to flood. Also teach a course or a co-teacher course um, when physicians are prescribing 
too many narcotics or there may be an issue with that. We kind of help them um, figure out best ways um, and what's out there uh, for them to know as it pertains to prescribing narcotics. And then sexual boundaries are just boundaries at work. You know, if they violate some wow. type of boundary, we help them to figure out, you know, where the boundary may have been crossed how to ensure that they don't do that, and then skills and techniques to move them forward to be more um, beneficial in their job. So that those is outstanding. So yeah. when you say flooding, does that mean flooding, flooded in terms of their emotional, they're like mentally, oh, so are these classes oh. mandatory? So when we talk about flooding, you know, everybody basically floods. It's how in which you do it at the time, how you control it. Um, there's an individual, Frank, uh, Victor Frankel, that basically yeah. said in between this point and this point, there's a space, a stimulus right. that allows you to figure out, to choose how you want to respond. There's right. growth, there's truth in that moment, and you have to decide how to do that. And so we're basically letting them know, you know, like anger is a normal emotion. Right. right? No, everybody gets angry. That's normal how you handle the anger that comes out is where the issue comes in. Right. right. So just yes. giving them techniques that they can do. So when they feel like they're flooding, they feel like they're flustered and they're just really getting enraged. How do you calm yourself to a point where you're able to either get out of the situation and then assess it later, get coaching, um, do mentoring, whatever you need to get you to that point. We try to give them the techniques to do that. And okay. so it's very beneficial, right? You'll see them on one day. Yes. Like, ah, by the end of the course, that light bulb has clicked. It's gone off. Okay. They want to make the change. Um, For some individuals, it is mandated. For some, it's not. It okay. just depends. It's a case-by-case -case basis. Um, okay. That is outstanding. I mean, this is another, like, bonus to this. That's fantastic. That is such great work. And I, I know that people in the medical field need this. Um, I'm just going to share this one quick thing and I'm, I'm out. We, we definitely are out. So Because I, I dated somebody who was a doctor. He was an emergency room doctor. Dr. Watson. Oh, my goodness. You could tell that he was emotionally spent. And because he had been through it for so, so many years, I don't even know, at least, over 15 years at least when I knew him. Um, mm -hmm. His shutdown when he came home was just, and we didn't, he lived in, in Maryland. So it, when I said came home, like we would talk on the phone and mm -hmm. he just didn't have anything left because the, that whole environment had just spent him. And so mm -hmm. I know just from that little experience with him that, um, yes, what you were talking about is very needed. He didn't necessarily have anger issues, but he had. Um, where I say sometimes people um, aren't aware that they don't even, they've shut their emotions totally off. Because yeah. like you said, anger is, it's mm -hmm. a part of who we are, just like happiness and all of these other things are. Um, so if we shut off joy and if we shut off anger and we just are, are like a, a flat line, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Emotionally, that's not good either. So yeah. 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 Yeah, so so that's good. I'm so that's yeah, you're doing thank great work. You're doing very great work. And thank you so much. And was there anything else that you wanted to share before we close to just 
um, you know, help people as they're leading themselves or, or leading others through times of stress. And then I saw also you wrote a book. Did you write a book? I did. I did. Okay, um, I back didn't in know 2014. That. Yep. Shattered but not broken. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I know we talked about you were going to write another one kind of about this experience eventually yes. as well. So I've okay. definitely been thinking about writing a devotional for women who are experiencing burnout. Yes. Um, to kind of help them move along to kind of just get them something that keeps them motivated throughout the day. And so I just say for any individual man, woman, boy, girl, um, stay with it, right? Yeah. Don't give up um, because, you know, a period is final. Right. A semicolon is a pause mm -hmm. and it allows you to move to the next phase of life to continue with whatever it is God has put in you. Don't allow a job, a relationship, you know, financial burdens to keep you from doing whatever it is that God has put in your heart to do. Right. I encourage everyone just to follow your passion, follow your dreams, know that you are enough. Yes. Um, and when you feel if, even if you don't know what burnout feels like, if you feel that you're changing, take a step back. Yeah. Right? Take a step back. It's okay to get a therapist. It's mm -hmm. okay to take a break. Yep. That's right. Breaking is okay. Mm -hmm. You quit and you end it all. You don't get an op Sometimes you don't get an opportunity to come back from that. So That's take so a true. break. Okay. Um, yep. And someone's always here for you, right? Yep. I just encourage each person just to, to continue on your walk, do the best yep. that you can. That's yeah. true. Yes, that's great. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you so much for being here today. Dr. Watson, it has been my honor. Um, you are definitely a leading lady, and I'm so glad that our paths crossed because I believe in divine order. So that Saturday was not for just, you know, it was a great day anyway, but it was for, for more than that. So, and, and I'm grateful for, for you. Um, so, don't leave because I think this thing has to upload and everything at the end. Um, everybody, please make sure to check out the Leaders Lounge and the World Class Training Institute for all of your um, leadership and professional development needs that are not a part of uh, Vanderbilt. <laughs> Outstanding. You need us. That's serious, right? Exactly. <laughs> but if you are a physician, check Dr. Watson out. Yes, call because what was she? What you all do is life-changing and it's beyond the position. It's about helping people to get through this yep. thing called life. And yes, Amen. so very good work. So do you have a number? Do Can they call you from the outside? Of course. Of okay, course. what is the number? Um, so you can always reach our office at 615-938-0678. Okay, say it one more time. 615-938-0678. 0678. And if you just need to reach me, um, I'm 0674. 615 938 0378. 0678. 0678. I'm just going to yep. put it up here right quick. Uh, and then I think I can put it at the top. Let's see here. Show. Yep, there it is. Okay. So, yes, if you are, now you have to be a Vanderbilt University employee. Is that correct? No, you do not. Oh, um, okay. So you just need to be a physician. Now, there is a fee. Okay. So it's not that we provide free services, but it's worth every penny, I promise. I'm sure it is. So, okay. physicians, if you are 
Uh, let me just edit this right quick. Uh, for uh, what is it called? Is it called Medicine? Uh, well, we are at the Center for Professional Health. Center for Professional Health. Okay. And so you can be from anywhere around the world. Um, you could be in Portland. You could be in Washington, D.C. You could be in Miami, Florida. It doesn't matter. Um, you can be anywhere. Um, wow. Yep. That is great to know. All right. So here's the number, everybody. 615 9380678 for the Center for Professional Health inside of Vanderbilt University. If you are a physician and you want or desire, if you need or desire to have this training to help you to cope with flooding, um, to help you cope with dealing with uh, the trigger of either anger or working through, you know, balancing yourself emotionally as a physician. And if if, I, if you need to help me with some some of the things that I'm saying, please do. Uh, please reach out because you need this. And the better yeah. that our physicians are, the better you can be for us as patients. And we need y'all to be your absolute best uh, when you when you take us under the knife. And Don, <laughs> I would like to also add, we offer CME credits. Um, okay. Medical education credit. So there are some physicians um, that need those things. So yes, you, you know you need it. You're mandated by your state board that you need to get these classes. Please feel free to reach out to us, um, and we can definitely get you the help that you need. Absolutely, that's fantastic. I'm so glad Thank we you. put that out there as well. So yes, um, but stay right there because I think we have to make sure this is uploaded afterwards. Um, but everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. We are going to have this series for the rest of uh, this month, which is Juneteenth is the Freedom Month. Uh, of course, Juneteenth is, uh, when is it? November the 19th? And uh, November 19th, June 19th. <laughs> June 19th, but we celebrate freedom all this month. Um, and we're going to have leading ladies. I may have a gentleman, but definitely leading ladies this month uh, because we want to celebrate the power of african-american women women who are doing great things and just leading in so many different arenas so again thank you so much dr watson for joining us today and it's tina just call me tina, tina. thank you tina <laughs> thank you tina and we will see you all next time on the leaders lounge Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Leaders' Lounge. Remember that the World Class Training Institute exists to help your organization maximize its greatest resource, which is human capital. And the way that we do that is through the delivery of our leadership and professional development training programs. To help your organization be its best, please access our worldclasstraining.net website and schedule time to have a conversation to see how we can help you maximize your greatest asset, which is human capital. And also please feel free to pick up our book, which is Unpacking Agape, the seven languages of intentional leadership at worldclasstraining.net forward slash agape. That's worldclasstraining.net forward slash agape. And we can also come to your organization for any speaking engagements related to leadership and professional development. So until next time, remember when you're better, we're better. Take care.